Welcome to the Data's a Dev podcast. I am your host, Kevin Lesht, and this episode features part two of my conversation with Tom McHenry. If you're just joining the show, in part one of this series, Tom and I walk through his entrance into tech, the benefits of unconventional approaches to learning, and systematic tactics for breaking down problems and achieving abstract goals. This episode picks up right where we left off, and is it a good one? From strategies for tackling difficult problems, through game design and cartooning, to thoughts on habits and routines, we fit it all in nicely and have some fun along the way. Now, part two of my conversation with Tom McHenry. As far as as reaching those those goals too, I wanted to circle way back to something I was super interested in that you hit on a few minutes ago, which was your process for it sounded like, you know, drawing from the world of, you know, of agile, of process design in software engineering, where we've got epics, we've got tickets that are working towards those epics, and there are steps in between dependencies. You mentioned that you might set some abstract goal, like I want to learn French, and then you've got more finite, more narrowly defined goals building up towards that. I'd be curious at, at even a more abstract level outside of that, could you take us through how how you design a, a given week or even maybe here, how about this? Could you play into the show here? What does what does a day in the life look like for you? <laughs> you know, we've already hit on so many things. You know, you're employed as a software engineer. Uh, you're a cartoonist, which I think we're going to talk about about deeply in a bit here. Okay. But if we could, yeah, use the opportunity now. Uh, you're practicing all these things. You know, you're a runner, you're a weightlifter, you're a cartoonist, you are a software engineer. What does it all look like? Give us give us a day as a, with so many things there, I think all I can say is give us a day as a Tom McHenry. Oh, okay. A day as a Tom McHenry. Uh, so I'm going to go with like an idealized day because... Uh, <laughs> I can never really get over the, uh, I can never really fully extract myself from the public school mindset of I quote unquote did wrong when I leave something out. Like I, I do in my head put like a red X on a day when I, when I miss a thing that I have tried to ri- like routinize. Right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's me. That's my own mess. I have to work through with, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. lots of journaling and therapy, but, uh, yeah. So on an idealized sort of weekday. Uh, I, I, I get up and I go for a 5k, uh, and I come back and I meditate for 10 minutes. Uh, well, I come back, I do some kettlebell swings, meditate, Mm. meditate for 10 minutes. Uh, then it's like shower breakfast. I, uh, and while I'm eating breakfast, I'm writing down, uh, at least three and usually no more than 10 things that I'm grateful for that have happened since the last time. So like, Oh, interesting. Things that happened the next, the previous day, always 10, you're able to make 10 every I time. I don't know. And I no, at least like three is the, we talked about that low bar. You were yes. saying that, that low bar that you want to clear. So the low bar is three. Okay. I don't think I've ever had less than five. Uh, I have a very 
charmed life full of privileges. Uh, and this has been a very good exercise in humbling me to like the number of, of wonderful things that just happen and like emerge. Uh, it's great. Uh, we can talk way more about gratitude writing down later, but that's, and then, uh, I take the remainder of that time till I need to, I need to start getting ready, like to go out the door. So I need to like feed the cats and wake up my wife and brush my teeth. I need to leave to be doing that at 8.45. So I've got this span of like 8.05 to 8.45 where I draw, where I just get to draw. Uh, then it's commute to the office and uh, are, you, are you doing anything on the train on your way into the office oh podcast uh, music yeah uh, so okay so uh listening to podcasts uh if i'm walking the day is a dev show i'm uh, sure the day is a dev show is in my is in my my feed however i have not i have so many podcasts in the queue it has not i've, I've not hit episode one yet but oh, we geez. will soon a lot of things have dropped off this is not a good look for the show Tom. Uh, oh geez so. i'm sorry but <laughs> you know it it will be there and at which point it will be consumed and it it's consumed in the order that it was released just giving you a hard job here <laughs> oh yeah i just happen to be like way behind uh yeah so uh podcasts uh on the walk and then a uh reading a book whatever book i'm reading on the train unless i bike to work if the weather's good uh then i get to the office and uh i have this at this point a lot of this stuff i have i've split out into these like daily checklists that get served up to me which is nice because it reminds me to do all of these like daily practice things and it's like um i need to clear out my email inbox which means literally inbox zero like now, I might not I might not act on everything and reply to everything, but I, I pull the things out of email that I need to act on into my system as I don't like I like seeing that clean white inbox with nothing in it and I, I can't abide using my email inbox as my to-do list. That's way too much stress. Uh, and so yeah, then I cle- I go through all the slack channels that have popped off overnight because of work stuff. And uh, I, I do some quick journaling about uh, where my head is at that day and kind of the stuff, like I try to figure out, this is a, a trick I stole from this uh, book and course called Learning How to Learn, uh, where I, I am, and I'm blanking on uh, the, the writer's name now, but she talks about finding your frog for the day. I don't know where that that uh, terminology comes from, but you you want to find the thing that you are most resistant to work on, the thing where you're like, okay, well, I got a bunch of stuff I got to do, but also there's this ticket that I'm working on that's about figuring out how this I, I this job is is kicking off every day and failing, and no one can figure out why because it's not producing any errors. Gosh, I really don't want to look at that. And if you're not careful, you will not look, you will take the permission to not look at that and ride it the entire day if you're me uh but if you surface to yourself like this is the thing i am resisting working on that i am like i really dislike the most and you front load it if you go like before i do anything else i'm gonna give myself a little time box at like 10 minutes and just work on that thing you might not circle around back to it for the rest of the day but probably what is going to happen is that you're going to open it up for you and find the fact that the thing that you're procrastinating you've like built up way more in your head than is actually like 
there to look at. You're going to find a way to break it into a smaller problem and approach it. That's interesting. Just even, I think, setting a time box into that difficult task is is helpful for me. I mean, to give you some perspective, I operate from the complete other side where <laughs> whether it's a task list for a given day or even looking at, at a more like... Um, you know, meso or macro level project landscape. Uh, I am very much knock out all the quick wins, get the ball rolling, build some momentum. And if I identify something as difficult, you bet I'm going to procrastinate on that <laughs> until it absolutely has to be done. Yep, and that's yep. that's deliberately for two reasons. The one being I'm probably a little scared of it and, the, and also just not that interested in, um, for whatever, whatever reason, working on that task, maybe because there's some, I don't know, some ambiguity there or something. Uh, but I am very much of the, let's get the quick wins out of the way. Let's build some momentum and then, you know, let that carry us, which I think has worked for me into those more difficult challenges. But I guess what I've never tried that I, I, I will have to, that I like there is, yeah, just, you know, sort of even like you mentioned earlier, with setting the bar low, right? Go it, go into it, not expecting to take the whole thing down, but just invest some time towards it and see where that takes you. Might not take you all the way towards the end, but at least you know you're investing time towards the problem, which is you know cumulative and does um, forward that given subset of the problem for you to then pick up or further at a later time. Absolutely, because what you're actually doing, right? When you when you figure out what your what your frog is like this and. I, I shouldn't frame this as like so much of this stuff is in flux and relatively new to me. This this particular trick that we are talking about here is something I've really only been doing for like the past three or four months, but I, it's really changed some stuff up for me. This finding the frog thing, all you're really doing is a kind of uh, a bait and switch on yourself. You, I am also just doing all the quick wins up front, but one of the quick wins I have defined for myself is I'm going to do just 10 minutes. Like just, I'm just going to stand here in the most uncomfortable spot of my day for 10 minutes. And if I don't come back to it, if it, if, if it really does suck and I absolutely have no idea how to approach it, then I'm walking away and I'm walking away and I'm just doing other quick wins. The, the time box that, that the, the thing you are trying to do is not solve this problem. The thing you are trying to do is give 10 minutes to this problem means that you sink almost no time in and you have you've like made it somewhat less scary. It might still be super scary, but probably uh, what I tend to do when I get a ticket is break it into super tiny uh, tasks, right? And trying to lay out even like, okay, figure out how this piece works. So maybe all I've done is spend 10 minutes like with a with code open in one file and my to-do file list open in another, in another pane and just clarifying some more of the things I need to do on it. That still counts, right? That's compounding right there. Yeah, and and, and and maybe I don't touch it again until I'm, I'm specifically thinking about today as like a kind of a weird day where I, the back half of my day after lunch was almost all meetings, and so I did not touch the thing that is my frog except in the very first part of the day, but I will touch it again tomorrow uh, in that like pre ten o'clock chunk where I am looking at my frog. And maybe I'll get lucky and I'll have kind of a free, more free time. Like I'm still making progress on it in a way where 
before I operated in this, before I was doing this this way, I was just getting the quick wins and these scary things kept getting put off and they just grew scarier mm-hmm. with procrastination. And if if you're me and you're already kind of an anxious, neurotic person, that does not help to coax yourself to do it, right? It's just, you, at no point is it going to be easier. It's just going to become so urgent that you're more afraid of getting like in trouble for not having done it sure. than yeah. you are for, for yeah. like actually sitting with the problem and doing it. Why I'm excited about that too is I think what is so fun about programming and what I think I have always had a hard time with um, as far as time boxes go too is it's very easy to say you you set aside 10 minutes for yourself and then you get to like minute eight, right? And you have a a revelation or you hit some, Uh you know, some part of the solution that you then want to dig deeper into. So I think even just setting up a segment of time to explore the problem, clarify things a little more could lead you maybe deeper than you plan to and really help mitigate some of that that scariness, that ambiguity. Um, that's a great, I, I really dig that. I'm gonna have to give that a try. And I, I mean, I literally do set a timer on my watch. So the watch buzzes and I stop. Like that is, that's the other, that's a, another key to it, right? Like when I first, years ago, people would talk about the Pomodoro technique and I, and I did it. I tried to keep up with it. But 25 minutes is a long stretch of time. And I get why you do 25 because it's good for the deep work and all that stuff. But I really th- I, like, I think landing on five and 10 minute time boxes for some stuff, especially the things that you are resisting most is there's like a, there's like another magic trick there. Cause like 10 minutes, who cares? 10 minutes is nothing. I've sometimes, you know, like I've, you can stay 10 minutes late at work because at five o'clock you realize you hadn't gotten around to your frog today because of a bunch of other stuff. But like, if I if I leave the office at five or at five ten, I'm still waiting on the red line platform sure, for half sure. an hour. Yep. So that's still ten minutes that I've chipped away at it, and then I don't have to carry like weird guilt and anxiety into stand the next morning where I'm like, uh, I was supposed to look at blah, and I kind of didn't get there. Uh, and ha- but also having that alarm go off, having the thing, because I have had and I love the experience of like I. Yeah, the, you, you're at minute eight and, and the whole thing opens up for you and you start digging in on something and you're just like, wow, this is so incredible. But I like having the the like down to earth reminder of like, well, here's the 10 minutes because number one, it tells you like, hey, see how you were so freaked out about this and you thought there was no way you'd be able to do it in hours? Well, check it out. Before the buzzer went off even, you already, look how look how smart you are, right? You, you arrived at it. Close the gap there, yeah. But it also means that you respect your own boundaries. You respect the boundary. You're, ta- you're giving yourself a message every time you, you do that and you walk away. And yeah, maybe you come immediately back, but maybe like just like hands off the keyboard for you a second. You at least reset for a moment there. Yeah, you're telling yourself, hmm. okay, when when at 10 minutes, this is still super scary and I don't know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do. I am not gonna just dig in. Like I'm, I respect the 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 agreement that I made with myself that I will only look at this for ten minutes if I want to, and that ten minutes is the baseline. And after ten minutes, we can walk away. If you can, like you're in like a kind of negotiation with your own fears and anxiety, and if you can build trust, a lot of that, but with yourself, a lot of that relaxes a little bit that's where i've struggled in the past i think i need it sounds like i need to respect myself more i need to i need to develop more we all do i need to develop more discipline there i am definitely the person that 
uh, turns the clock over, you know, hides, hides the, if the timer's running on the phone or on the computer, uh, closes the tab, turns the phone over. I'm going to keep going until, until I get, I think as far as I can go until I hit like a true blocker where I finally take a break in those situations. Uh, and, and there's absolutely a space for that with, with the way that I, that I'm working right or that I'm trying to because I, I I love the deep work you know you've you look up and three hours have gone by I still want to have space for that but I want to be like how I want to approach that is here's the time I have where I'm going to attempt that deep work versus well we're just going to try it and see what happens like trying to approach even that with a plan we're like yeah I'm not setting a time box for this particular block because it's it's 1 p.m. I've got kind of a free afternoon for meetings. I'm going to like dig in this problem and, and dig and dig and dig until I hit a blocker like you're describing, which is different from the negotiation with myself of, you know, it's 930. Uh, I don't want to work on this thing, but I will. And I could really get away with not working on it because I've got kind of a busy afternoon. So I could just kind of hang out, read some articles and sort of shoot the bull a little bit. Right. But like going like, no, we'll look at it and we'll only look at it for 10 minutes and then we're, we can we can goof off the rest of the day. It's like I'm, I'm like a, trying to coax a child. <laughs> I'm like trying to bribe <laughs> a child. Like if you do this one math problem. Then we can we can go to Great America, but you have to do the one. <laughs> right. You have to eat this one Brussels sprout and then it's all the ice cream you want, buddy. Right. Hit the giant drop, hit the Red Bull, or whatever <laughs> that ride was called after that. Raging yeah. Bull? Raging Bull. That might have been yeah. uh, what it was. No, that's the boxing movie. Iron Bull? Wow, it, might, it was something close to that. Uh, on Fantastic Rides, I did want to address as well... Um, your game horse master yeah. um i was on your interview when <laughs> you first joined home chef and i i don't know i'm sure you've got it somewhere but i i had to pull up your resume because i remember you know a whole bunch of resumes come in and certainly at the time i had i had no say in getting you in the room but what, <laughs> but what would have gotten you in there regardless if i was in a position to make that decision and what certainly jumped out to me that i think we talked about you know years ago when we did first meet but i'd love to circle back on now is on your resume you've got this block i'm going to read it back to you uh <laughs> under your i don't know if it was under projects achievements but Horse Master, the game of horse mastery is a video game that challenges players to grow, train, and nurture their own horse from birth in the hopes of earning the most coveted tenured position in the world. Horse Master. <laughs> this game was nominated for four 2013 XYZZY Awards. Best game, best story, best setting, best individual NPC. It was voted number 23 on the top 50 interactive fiction games of all time by Interactive Fiction Database. You see a block like that on the resume. And gosh, I, I think if that isn't a side project that will separate you from the pack, <laughs> uh, I don't know what is. And and a question I'm now curious about that I could I thought we could use as a jumping off point. You know, we talked about cartooning earlier a little bit. Would love to 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 get there from this as well, but Designing a game like Horse Master, what, what, where do you start? What goes into to something like that? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. So this 
job that I was talking about that I had before I hurt my hands real bad, uh, that job, I, as I kind of said, I had, I had downtime and I was kind of tinkering around with JavaScript stuff. At one point I was writing, uh, I, most of the good knowledge of JavaScript I got was I was trying to write a browser based Dungeons and Dragons style dungeon crawl with randomized dungeon levels. So oh, like, every uh, time you'd play it, it would be different. It's based on this game NetHack that I is still one of my favorite uh, games that's ever existed. Uh, but I was trying to write it without knowing anything about code and uh, to run in the browser. Uh, and I learned I boy, I learned a lot. I fell down a lot of rabbit holes. Uh, but yeah, at some point in in tinkering around with that stuff, I read about a uh, I was reading a bunch of articles about and and playing some games by people who were making these games uh, in this this game engine called twine that is it's a weird outgrowth of like a thing to generate wiki code and then the clicking on the wiki code would show it would show you a screen and you click on a link and it would flash you a different screen i realize what it sounds like i'm just describing really basic websites but uh you'd never change your url and so you're continually being shown new blocks of text or images and you can make really easy like choose your own adventure games but you can also interject javascript into it and i already knew a bunch of javascript from mm. messing around with uh this other kind of project and so i didn't really have anything for it it was just like oh this is an interesting thing that exists uh and i like a lot of the weirdo games that are coming out uh that that use this twine system uh, a lot of games by women and people of color and queers and like the trans community is super big into making these games uh and i was a voracious player of them uh and thought it was really neat and then another thing that i happened to be doing around the same time is I would get, um, I would just go into the office supplies and get a Sharpie and a post-it note. And I would set a timer for like 20 minutes and I would try to fill as many post-it notes as I could. And so they would, there'd be like little doodles and, uh, you know, scraps of phrases and, this I is would, this is content for the game. Could be anything. Th- this is, this is just a thing I'm doing to like brainstorm ideas. Ah. Uh, and so sometimes it's like, like what comes out of it are, are jokes or like weird turns of phrase. And one of the weird turns of phrase that I jotted down on, on one of these lunch breaks where I was doing that for 20 minutes is horse master colon, the game of horse mastery. <laughs> and it cracked me up. And I, I wrote that and I yeah. had, I had doodled underneath it, a, a guy in a cowboy hat, <laughs> yeah, I, which I think made it onto the box art uh, for, basically for, for yeah. the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. it winds up being turned into box art. Um, and so then as a goof, I thought, well, what if I, uh, like, what if I tried to actually do some, some twine scripting, um, and I'll just, I'll make this like goofy thing and I'll show it to my wife, Sarah, uh, and, and she'll get a kick out of it. Cause she thought the combination of words, horse master, the game of horse mastery were funny. And it really kind of snowballs from there. Like I made essentially a, a demo of like <laughs> the first, I don't know, maybe 10 screens. It's not very much of the game at all. And she was like, you know, this is, this is fun. You Keep should, going you should with do this. this. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I hemmed and hawed and I hemmed and hawed. And I talked to some friends out at a conference uh, and I told them like, I have this thing I'm working on. And it's stupid. It's called horse master, the game of horse mastery. And they were like, you idiot, you have to make this. 
uh, without knowing anything about it. Like no one knows anything about it except me. And so it, that was like May. And I was like, all right, fine. Here's the, the official release date will be July 1st and I will release whatever I have. And then having a release date. How much of the game was done prior? Almost prior. nothing. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I just went to, I went to feverish work at it. Uh, and it was like, it, it's another one of the things where, you know, when my hands get hurt, not that far further down the line in the future, I'm looking at like the parts where I feel really alive and what I'm doing and writing this game and like going so deep into figuring out like, like figuring out how to make a number display and then figuring out how to play make a random number display and then figuring out like, okay, well I could make a stat then like I could, and a stat could get a bonus based on a random thing. Like, okay, okay, we can make this thing happen. And the plans is getting more and more elaborate as, as time is also running out. So I'm stripping out huge chunks of the game. <laughs> then like, yeah, the, the thing that, that came out, uh, had a couple of bugs on release day, but everybody was really kind about it. And I fixed them very quickly. And, uh, I was a game designer that officially a game designer. And, it just happened to take off. Like I knew enough people that played it and showed it to friends um, that it, it's to this day is probably still my best known thing. But my, the handful of games I made are especially horse master are way, way more known than any of my comics work. My comics work is the, the like passionate obsession of my life that people who like, they really like, but it doesn't have the, it didn't strike that weird chord that horse master did where like horse master went like quasi viral. There's, there's a, <laughs> I've read a chapter in a dissertation about horse master. Really? I've read, there's a couple journal articles about horse master. There's a book called video games for humans edited by Merritt Copas, who is, uh, that has a chapter on horse master by Naomi Clark. Uh, yeah, I've played it. I think it's a fantastic concept and execution of the game i think i think my horse was was coffee breath does that sound like a, a coffin breath a carol co- and a coffin breath? coffin breath that was the that was the horse that i think i had uh can i ask i didn't reach mastery i did not reach mastery oh. but can I, I can i ask you uh the question i always ask people when they tell me they play horse master please which is, what did you name your horse I don't. So I played this game when you were coming in to interview, and I, I don't know if I can remember what I named the horse, but I did. What was Coffin Breath? Was that like a breed of it's horse? A breed of horse. Okay, I yeah, do remember there are three horse breeds. Okay, <laughs> that that was definitely the horse breed that I chose. I'm and if you played to... in debug mode, which no one could except for me, you could play as a unicorn. <laughs> That's great too. I like gotta have the Easter eggs in there. Gotta slip in the yep, Easter yep, eggs. Yep. Yeah, if it comes back to me, I'll drop it in the show notes. I'll forward it on to you. <laughs> what I what I happen to name my horse, I can't can't recall right now. But that would be. I'll have to play it again. Is all I'll have to do. Yeah, yeah I will. Um, uh, apparently, it holds up. I I haven't. I've not really returned to it. Uh, I've sometimes there's been talk about like. Uh, uh, so it's part of the Patreon that my wife and I do. Uh, I've talked about doing maybe a Twitch stream where I play it and give like director commentary. Like, yes. Oh, I stole this from this. Yeah. This is stolen from that. And please do that. That would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> On the the artwork that went into Horse Mastery, what yeah. certainly I think sets you up well there too. And you mentioned, I think throughout our episode here that you practice daily uh-huh. uh, cartooning. Uh-huh. Would love to dig in to that for a bit. And I wonder if, you know, certainly want to touch on, um, you know, you well, would love to touch on first, at, well, 
your cadence for the cartoons that you're sending out throughout the day because <laughs> there are there are each is of a different focus, uh, which I think is super interesting. Um, so maybe we could begin with what that regimen looks like. <laughs> um, you know, you run in the morning and I think I see the first one that you fired on a daily basis. I love this idea. I want to let you set it up, of course, sure. but your first cartoon of the day could just start us there and take us through that daily routine of cartooning. <laughs> well, you're, uh, uh, I love this because it's very kind of you to assume that a lot of this is more regular uh, than it is in practice. You uh, certainly put on a good show if it's uh, not, I think. <laughs> well, so there's so the something from my run. That's part of uh, the accountability practice that I'm trying, that I, I, I'm trying, I, I try to do for the running, it, right? So it's like a kind of public keeping me accountable for going for a run. I, I know I will get pinged if somebody's like, hey, what happened? Like, and I have to write the streak every day. So I'm, I'm hyper aware of that. Like, oh, I'm on, I've got eight days and I've got eight days banked up already. Like, I don't want to fall off. Uh, so yeah, that, that is just a, a single image in black and white on sketchbook of something I saw when I went for a run or something that happened to me, something I overheard when I was running. Um, it's, a question there too. I'm just, I think, yeah. you know, we've talked a little bit about some philosophical concepts as well. Do you think that's helped you be more present and in the moment too? Because oh, yeah. I think when I look through your comics, there are things that you have posted that I still question, you know, if they are reality, like you, it seems, <laughs> but I, but I, but then it makes you wonder too, right? These things are going on. They're not that far exaggerated from what you can imagine being, a scene playing out in real life. So it makes you wonder these things are happening all around you and you just need to pay more attention, be mindful, be present. Yeah. So the something from my run is, is pure nonfiction. Like those, those are, those are like memoir autobiographical comics. I have, I never lie in them. It's always something I really saw. It would be weird. Uh, our coworker, Mike Worley one time asked me how long it took me to write them. And I thought he meant yeah. how long it took me to draw them. And like, that's not, he meant like he thought that they were always written. Oh, they down. were fiction. They, they were, were completely like, yeah. fiction. Yeah, or sometimes were fiction, and uh, he, he just couldn't believe that like I would remember a thing I overheard a random Cubs fan saying to another Cubs fan when I ran by them. But I did uh, because that's how my brain works. Uh, I've trained it to be to just notice. Like I'm constantly trying to notice, and that is a huge part of. Yeah, you called it meditative, but a kind of meditative practice. My. I have tried to, as much as possible, be present in my body when I'm running. Like, that's part of the thing. You don't want to fully dissociate, even though that body is feeling pain and misery, because running is just, it's just awful. Like, it just, your body burns, <laughs> and it hurts, and it sucks. But if you can be present in your body and, and like, absorb some of your surroundings and, and you smell the air and hear the things that people say and see just like, oh, there's weird junk on the ground. I think today's is a drawing of a, a Batman thermos that's just jammed into some snow. I'm like, oh, that's weird. That's what a strange thing to see. Like the world is constantly presenting you with interesting and strange stuff, but you have to create space for yourself to notice. And it is difficult when everything wars for your attention to set time aside to deliberately notice. And so I do. And so, yeah, sometimes it really seems like it must be made up, but I assure you, uh, maybe sometimes the words get fudged because I'm sort of repeating a thing a person said that is totally bonkers over and over again in my head until I can get home and write it down. But it all, it all really happened. Um, 
But in addition to that, I also draw these like little journal comics about going to my gym, uh, which are, I, I was kind of a stunt that I just sort of stayed with uh, because I have never really stayed with a gym membership uh, very long until this place, which I joined on kind of a bet. Uh, and I love the gym I go to now and the, and the way that it's set up and the way the people are there and they're, it's just a great community and my, like, I'm, I'm super jazzed about, like, I, I consider myself a weightlifter as part of my identity now in a way that, like, I never did before. So in addition to those kind of more nonfiction-y things, uh, I kind of, I just sort of doodle throughout the day, um, there is downtime in being a dev, both in the, the time where you have to just sit and think about a problem. Uh, so I, I've often am like test suites running. The test suite suite is running. You got deploys right. going off. Right. So I often have like a piece of paper where I am trying to diagram out like how some complicated series of classes and subclasses call out to each other uh, to kick off different jobs and where a thing could, where a bug could be entering. And then next to it, where like, a notion for a funny way of phrasing things has entered my head and I jot it and I draw a little, I doodle a little guy next to it. So that's like, that's kind of like the looser single panel-y stuff. And sometimes I put that stuff online, but a lot of times that's just sort of uh, grist for the creative mill. Uh, But then there is the like final, like the finished, finished fictional comic stuff, which I really, in my best days, can do a page a day of that. Uh, and sometimes two. And so when I'm in my best mode for, for that sort of thing, I do a 28 page comic book every month. Uh, every like month, 28 page college. comic book. Yeah. Now that every month that the definition of that month has grown from four weeks to six weeks uh, to t- sometimes eight weeks. So. <laughs> Time is a fungible thing. I mean, Time it's is a fungible uh, thing. Yeah. What's also true is I uh, like have just gotten kind of sloppy with some parts of that routining and which is probably fine like you need why to do you, crop why rotate. do you think why do you think that is um well perhaps you found this too but when you have a life that you have routinized a lot of things when something comes along that derails you a little bit it can be difficult to get back into it now when i get into it i produce at a very furious rate and that's great. But then something happens like, oh, you know what? This uh, writers that I really like is speaking at a thing tonight. So I'm not going to draw in the spot at night when I frequently would draw. But instead, I'm going to go hear this writer talk, which is good. I should go to those things. I should. Uh, a friend calls and wants to do something. I get sick. There's so many things that can break your like little creative routines if you're not careful. But I don't even think you need to be careful. You just want to be mindful of like the parts of them that work and be forgiving to yourself for breaking them, which I am often very bad at. I'm often very like, like I mentioned before, putting the big red X and it just like a public school situation. Like I, I, I often, I, I did not work on any of those finished, you know, fictionalized comics pages today in my head. There's a big, you know, red Sharpie X and an F minus, uh, see me after class at the top of the page for today when I did so much other stuff that was good and helpful and, uh, positive, which is part of why I try to keep track of the things that I'm grateful for that, that happened to me that are good. Cause it's trying to counteract that, that big F minus at the top of the page. Yeah. That is something that I have not figured out yet. I mean, even to relay a story back, um, to answer your question about, is this something I have experienced? Absolutely. I think so. I also practice quite a bit of, of 
creative activity of habit stacking. And I think for me, it's it's where I'm at now is I've realized it's just about ruthless prioritization. And certainly whatever is most engaging to me is going to fit those priorities. But it is upsetting. You know, I've had to give up quite a bit of habits that I would like to bring back into my routine that I just haven't been able to find a place for yet. You talk about onboarding new things that might capture your attention the podcast, right? Five episodes in, you are um, episode number five, loving the podcast, but it is certainly taking up quite a bit of my time and I've cut things out. You know, I used to be a voracious reader. I would read every single day. Um, I have not read, I think, um, certainly articles and things like that, but I haven't read any books or anything like that since I've started the podcast and I've got, you know, the reading list, even when I was reading continuously, ever growing so much to get to, you're never going to get to all of it. Um, and that's a tough thing. That's, I think been the thing that has sat with me as the heaviest mental weight, as far as like habits Mm. that I've given up. I think too, I've had to shift my schedule around too. I found that so Previously, you know this well, I wake up, um, some would say early in the morning. I like <laughs> I like to work out uh, before heading to work. But what I found is, so usually my routine would be, and certainly don't want to dominate the show here, so in a very generalized sense, work out, go to work, and then after work, uh, fill that time, whatever, I, again, as you mentioned earlier, on an idealized day with whatever creative activity I'm trying to drive forward. But now the... The podcast work, I have found the preparation, the post-production to be of of a pretty high cognitive load in uh-huh. the sense that I'm not able to work effectively at night. And so the sacrifice I've made there is I don't think I'm as productive in the uh, in the gym as I am in the uh, in the morning when I shift that to the evening. But that's what I've done just to sort of mental, uh, you know, take advantage of my mental capacity and work on these knowledge focused kind of activities in the morning. So now I'm working out at night. um, And yeah, I don't think I'm as productive in there, but maybe just a practical example of habits I've given up and habits I've had to shift around to. Um, but I'm still happy, you know, to to, yeah. to accommodate what is capturing my attention the most right now. And to your point, yeah, onboarding a new habit like this, I've experienced thing, you know, similar things um, when I've introduced new activities. And I think it's just, yeah, it takes some onboarding time before you really figure out whatever your new routine is. Yeah, and and you know, you get faster at things, right? Like your post-production time will go down some. Right, yeah. You get more expertise and audacity or whatever. Uh, And, but what, like, I have, I have all sorts of things that I sort of think of as like uh, still open cognitive loops, like things that were daily habits that I've kind of fallen off on. I used to, this is like a fun trick, I would try to write a a tiny song in 10 minutes every morning. Mm. And I just sort of fallen off on it because like, oh, it's kind of like inconvenient to get to and my mornings are already sort of stacked. I could get up 10 minutes earlier and make this thing work and maybe I'd like to. But, uh, you know, at a certain point, I think you have to also be willing, and this is something I... I'm giving this like it's advice, like I follow it and I don't, but uh, letting yourself kind of crop rotate, you know, um, and maybe, maybe, yeah, this, 
the uh, adventure of this podcast and the cognitive load of it being in the morning while the working out goes to at night, maybe that's only for the next six months and then you rotate it back because that is actually happier and you need less cognitive load to do this, uh, the podcast stuff. Or, you know, maybe uh, I fall off on the running again and I pick up the song. Like letting yourself move to the things that excite you rather than holding yourself uh, hostage to a routine that is not getting you the things that you want is like, is an important part of it. Knowing when to quit is just as important as knowing how to start. You know, I think too, it sounds like for both of us with these activities that we're passionate about, we're fortunate in that we can attach to them these these other lateral passions, right? Um, you know, with weightlifting for me, with maybe reading, both those things I can multitask in a sense to play back into whatever my my highest priority is, which is the podcast, right? When I'm weightlifting, maybe I'm doing guest prep for a show in the form of listening to material that my um, guest has otherwise already presented themselves on other podcasts that they may have been on uh reading to maybe you know i think what's what's so awesome about being able to host the podcast is that every episode i just get to learn so much by researching the guest and then you know a little comes from that but most of it just comes through through conversation like this so it presents itself i think we're fortunate in that sense and with you too right tying comic production to cartooning to each of these activities you know you go on the morning run you leverage that experience to to send a cartoon out and then you you hit the gym and same deal you're able to attach a cartoon with that uh it's really cool that it's you know productive in in that sense um Well, well and uh so i i sometimes will say that uh the sketchbook habit uh taught me about the, the other habits, right? Like that it's the one that I, that I kept the longest and I, I, I have picked it back up, uh, you know, after, after injury and all that stuff, it taught me how it feels to actually be inside of a habit and have a thing be part of your life, which is to say to, it can free you up some, like, I don't think many people approach the habit of they're running people who run all the time and are runners. I don't think many of them think of it in their head the way I do, which is I think of a, of a given run as a page of a sketchbook. Mm. And I mean that hmm. in that some days I can go out and I just put the big X and like, it still counts. It's still ink on the page. Uh, giving yourself the freedom to like today, I wanted to read for 10 minutes in this book that I wanted to read and I couldn't focus and I read a I read a couple paragraphs, and that that still quote unquote counts in as much as anything counts because the thing you're actually the thing you are actually doing is this higher goal that can't be compressed that has to be compressed down to these tiny 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 units that are sort of silly when you talk about them, but if the thing that you the thing that you want is this like thing to be part of your life you want when you talk about your habits what you're actually talking about is your identity the identity that you want to have the identity that you do have i'm like i want to be able to identify as an artist which means i need to have a creative practice 
I want to be able to identify as a runner, and that means I need to be running. But that also means I need to give myself the capacity to fail at those things most of the time. That those things need to, I need to fall off on the habit. I need to draw so many bad pages. I need to go on so many runs where I'm so slow or I hurt myself because I slip on the ice and I, you know, not holding myself against other people, but looking at the the streak of time and being like, I can't, till you get to the point where you're like, I cannot identify as not a runner anymore because a person, only a runner would run, you know, hundreds of days in a row sure yeah uh, like only a runner would be able to run this many marathons so therefore i must be i must have accomplished the goal that i set out for which is that i wanted part of my identity to be a person who runs and so yeah you it needs to open you up to a place where the thing is no longer super thrilling and no longer super agonizing but it's just the air that you breathe, the water that you swim in. It's like pages come out of me into comics the way that like I eat lunch or I go to sleep or I tell my wife I love her. Like uh, they are essential to my being. And so they, they happen and they are still driven by a feeling, but they are, they are who I am. They are who like they are my, they are myself. They are an expression of myself. If that makes sense. That is a fantastic, I think, summation of everything that we talk that we've talked about so far. I cannot think of a higher note to end the show on, Tom. <laughs> We're gonna have to book some more episodes, I think, because <laughs> there's just so much more to to explore there. Um, and also because I'm a little scared of going outside. It is, I think it has dropped to nine <laughs> degrees since we have uh, been in this recording session. But for now, we're going to have to brave the cold. We're going to have to go out there. Tom, thank you for your time. Thank you for your advice. Appreciate you joining. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's been a blast. For show notes and more on this episode, head on up to the site. That's dayasadev.com. While you're there, check out our release notes. This is a short newsletter that we send out about once a week. It includes updates along with all sorts of other goodies packaged up for your inbox. Thanks for listening. For the Day as a Dev podcast, I'm Kevin Lasht.